Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the Everyday Enthusiast podcast. I am Chris, your Everyday Enthusiast, and here is where I like to talk about some of the things that interested me the most over the last week. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to say that this podcast is available on most major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Overcast, and many others. If you want to like, rate, and subscribe, it would be greatly appreciated. I can also be reached at everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. No dots, dashes, or spaces. Again, that's everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. All right, on with the show. Uh, so now on to uh, follow-up slash notes slash updates. Uh, I will be trying to start each episode with a little bit of, you know, the follow-up notes updates uh, when necessary. And the first thing that I wanted to note here today is that I'm a bit under the weather. I do apologize. So if my voice is a little muffled or I'm a little nasally, uh, I do apologize for that, okay? Um, so the one thing I wanted to to touch on here before we get into the topics is that every episode so far, I have used a different method of saving the articles and taking notes. Uh, first, I was using Todoist and taking bulleted notes there. Uh, then I switched to full paragraphs in Todoist. Uh, and then last week, I tried out Google Keep for everything. Now, this week, I am in a Google Doc and uh, I switched back to bullets. As I'm sure you could hear last week, I lost my train of thought a bit um, from time to time. And I think it was because I was trying to hold my place within a paragraph while still, you know, riffing a little bit uh, when things would come to mind that I wanted to say that I hadn't noted. So uh, it didn't quite work out as well as I had thought. So hopefully this will be a little better. If you have any suggestions on ways to save articles and take notes, I would love to hear them. Uh, I love productivity apps in general. Um, I'm, you know, fingers crossed for an update to, soon to Todoist. Um, I've heard rumblings that they are going to update the, the interface, and uh, uh, I love Todoist, but I think it looks a little bit dated. So anyway, if you have those suggestions, please send them to everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so first topic here is that fabled Samsung foldable phone. So I'm, I'm sending two links here, or I'll put two links in the description, one, or they're both by The Verge. Uh, the first one is the announcement of the phone, and the second one is that uh, Google is uh, going to support these foldable, or they call them foldables. So anyways, what is this? So this is a foldable phone slash tablet from Samsung um, running Android uh, OS. Uh, it looks hideous. Uh, there are huge, huge thick bezels around the entire thing. I'm sure it's a work in progress, but it just looks terrible. Now, what I have heard is that it's actually inside of a case. So what we saw is not exactly what we're going to get. I think they wanted to hide it a little bit. I, I don't know. Um, so Lots of companies do this so that people don't see the, the phone, right? They, they put it in some sort of case. I remember the iPhone 4 was in a case, you know, when people were using this beta testing it before it was released, they had put it in a case that made it look like an iPhone 3G or 3GS. Um, so a lot of companies do this. So I wanted to talk about one 
the, the biggest glaring issue with this device, right? And so let me back up. It is a phone that you, you look at it. It's got, I think, a 4.5 inch display on the outside. And when you open it up on the inside, there's a it was like a seven inch display. I didn't actually take those notes. I don't know that they actually released what that was, what they, the uh, size of that inside display was. But at any rate, um, that's what it is. You know, it has two, two screens apparently. Um, but here's my question. One glaring issue. Are developers going to support this, right? Because, I mean, if you think about the iPhone back in the day, uh, well, even now we're still experiencing the issue where you know, they're releasing these different size iPhones and the apps are scaled up. So they look a little bit fuzzy. If you look really close, they look a little bit fuzzy until the developer updates for the new screen size. And so the biggest question here is, are developers going to, to support these foldable phones? Now we'll get into how this could be very, very simple for them to do in a minute here because of Google. But, you know, developers of all the apps, they have to rewrite these apps uh, not from the ground up, right? But if they have a phone version of the app and maybe they don't even have a, a tablet version of the app, they need to rewrite that to take advantage of this thing uh, with, with tablets in general. So the, the upside here is that Google has already built in foldable phone support into Android. And essentially what it is is if, so on iPhone, they have universal apps. It's one app that developers put out that work on the iPhone and the iPad. And what happens is that when you download the app, it'll sense whether it is on an iPhone or whether it's on an iPad. And then it, you know, scales. It gives you the interface for whatever that device is. And Google has built this in to Android already, but a lot of, a lot of apps do not take advantage of this um, over over the, uh, well, they don't take advantage of this on Android. Um, a lot of Android apps are just, are just stretched out iPhone or uh, phone apps and they just, they look really bad. So that's going to have to happen here to make anything like this, um, uh, you know, appealing. So I wanted to talk about a couple of things about the event overall. My biggest problem was that it was kind of billed as an unveiling. I mean, maybe I read into that wrong, but I thought this was an unveiling of their foldable phone and that they were, you know, I thought they were going to show us the newest feature of a smartphone, the foldable aspect, but then they dimmed the lights so we couldn't see a damn thing. And this showed us no more than what we were showed years ago in that concept video that they put out. Actually, it didn't even show us that much because at least in that thing, we saw an actual device. And I know it was a concept, it wasn't real, but we saw an actual device. So sure, it was a working device, right? I mean, that's a good thing. But in my mind, it's still almost a concept. It's still a, well, I guess it's a prototype, okay? Maybe I'm not giving them enough credit, but um, I don't know. I guess, you know, if you, if you didn't want to show us the actual device, wait, just wait. Just wait a little bit and, you know, give us something we can actually see and lust after. I have no desire for this, and I think a lot of people won't desire this thing because they haven't seen anything. Um, in Samsung's developer conference, the next thing I wanted to talk about here, they did uh, touch on their Samsung One UI. Uh, so what this is, is it's a, a new version of Samsung's skin over top of Android that is supposed to, 
Uh, it's designed to put most of the interface points at the, uh, the bottom of the screen so they're closer to your hand. Um, you know, so even these ridiculous six and a half inch, you know, six and a half plus inch phones are so hard. You can't reach the top of the phone. And if there's something you need to touch at the top, I mean, you have to use two hands unless you're a giant. You cannot use these things one handed. And that's the whole point of this. Um, it's less stress. Uh, so there's no more stretching to get up to that top corner. It reminds me a lot of the Nintendo 3DS. Uh, really well uh, kind of right the idea there is that you know it's got info on the well on the 3ds anyway I think it had info on the bottom screen and you would play the game or the game content would be at the top at least that's the idea and I think that's what they're doing here uh, so you know you would have like messages at the top and then you could choose from different people at the bottom. I don't know. I, it seems like they made a big deal about this, but it, it doesn't really look all that amazing. But I do want to play with it. I do want to see, you know, I I am more than willing to eat my own words here. Um, it also has a lot more rounded corners and a system-wide dark mode, which is something I hope that every, every OS will implement at some point here. Um, something we should all be so lucky to have in any phone, especially with OLED screens, because, you know, on OLED screens, you, if you have a, if it's a true dark, if it's true black, um, those pixels are not turned on and it saves you so much battery on true OLED screens. If you see black on the phone, those pixels are not even turned on. Like if you see white lettering, those pixels are turned on, but the other ones are completely off, which means it takes much, much less power to power them. All right, so the next topic I wanted to talk about here, uh, a couple of gadgets actually in a row. And uh, as it turns out, both of these are crowdfunding gadgets, which I have a couple of thoughts on. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the first is the Cosmo Communicator. So this is an Indiegogo campaign uh, for a, essentially a tiny laptop. Um, now, there was a PDA version of this early last year, but it was just a PDA. There was no phone aspect of it at all. Um, you couldn't, you know, there was no camera, there was no taking calls, and apparently all of that has been addressed in this, in this second version, if you will, called the Cosmo Communicator. Um, I think it was called the Gemini something previously. Uh, you'd have to look that up, but at any rate, so this is a six inch display with a full QWERTY keyboard. Now I say full, but <laughs> it's not full. Like you would have a, like a full keyboard size, but it's full as in, I think it has almost all of, or maybe it's not completely full, but it has almost all of the keys that you would need to type on. Although it is going to be very, very small. Um, so it's a six inch display. It has a tiny two inch display on the outside so that you can see notifications and, uh, you know, um, I think you can use that for selfie camera is the selfie camera and everything like that. Um, and it is running Android Pi, the latest version of Android, which is fantastic. Um, also has a micro SD card slot. Uh, I do believe it comes with 128 gigabytes or it supports up to 128 gigabytes. That's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, a lot of times you buy a MacBook or a MacBook Pro these days and you can get it with just 128 gig uh, internal storage. So the fact that this tiny, tiny little laptop is uh, is available with that is, is pretty awesome. Um, so even at the campaign price, 
you know, it's, it's $550. It's still a little bit expensive. If this is going to be your main travel computer, which I mean, there's a lot of question there, whether or not you could actually use this thing as a full computer, uh, to each his own, right? I mean, it depends on your, on your workload and, uh, your use case, but at any rate, it's still a little expensive. Um, the full price is going to be eight hundred dollars that's that's crazy that completely prices it out now again i know that this is like a niche product they're not going to sell most of these if i had to guess but you know the one way to sell a lot of them is to figure out how to make this thing for not as much money for something a little bit less unbelievably expensive for what you're getting uh, now, I guess you could argue that, you know, some Android phones, the Pixels and, and even in iPhones, I guess, phones in general, are $1,000 now to start. That's crazy. And this is $800. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit too picky here. Um, if you want to try and um, support this and pay 550 bucks for a cool Android phone that has a full keyboard, by all means, go for it. Uh, the next device here that I was referring to is called the Celtrix, it's the world's smallest multifunctional device. So this is also an Indiegogo project or campaign. Um, this thing is amazing. I, I love this thing. So what it is, it's a little rectangular puck looking thing that houses a ton of digital tools in one. So what does so much what is what is most note, noteworthy to me in this device? I mean, it has a lot of things, but for the most part, you're getting a portable speaker, so you can Bluetooth uh, music from your phone or your tablet or whatever to this little speaker. Um, it's a backup battery. I think it had like 6,000 milliamps, which could charge an iPhone two, three times, depending on which phone you have. That's awesome. Um, I think it comes with built-in 128 gigs of internal storage, and it actually supports SD card or a micro SD card slot that expands up to a terabyte. It supports up to a terabyte of external storage. So I know a lot of times with these phones, you have to use a separate app to access anything that's on that device, but still, I mean, you could offload a bunch of your photos onto this thing or store video or something and use the app to watch video if you're traveling or something you don't have a big uh phone like storage on your phone it is so cool and it has a sim slot to be used as a portable hotspot so you could use this uh as a hotspot for your computer if you're out working at the coffee shop or something and all for 99 dollars. and what that actually includes 128 gig micro SD card. Again, I don't know if that, if that, if there's 128 gig internal stored in it, and then you have another 128 gig, or if it only, if the storage only supports what is on the micro SD card that you put in it, I'm not sure, but a hundred dollars, $99 for this thing that gives you so many tools, um, is pretty awesome. So I, as well as many others would never have thought to put all these things together. Now, admittedly, I will probably not get this because I don't usually like joining crowdfunding campaigns, um, especially of companies that I'm not already familiar with. Now, some might say that that kind of hinders other people that are trying to push new device uh, or new ideas forward. And you'd be right, but I have gotten burned in the past. So it is what it is. I mean, I just can't personally do it. 
uh, not knowing if I'm actually going to get the device. A lot of people have gotten burned in the past, not just me, but it has happened. So this reminds me of the beginning of smartphones, right? Yeah, how they combine phones and cameras and PDAs and, uh, or sorry, PDS, uh, PDSs, um, or PDAs. I don't know. I'm going blank right now. My mind's a bit of a, a bit of a fog. Um, calendars, communicator or calculators and a slew of other things, right? This is like, this was the beginning of smartphones. They put all of these things together that very greatly reduced and, you know, notebooks and organizers and everything. Um, not that I think that this is going to be the next big thing, quote unquote, but it's just what it reminded me of. So I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, the next thing uh, is not so much tech focused. Well, I guess it is. Uh, so I wanted to talk about the electric Harley Davidson that was just uh, that was just announced. Well, so this was announced a few years ago, actually. It's called the Livewire, and um, you know, it's not. There's not a lot to talk about here because they didn't give a lot of details. Right. Um, when they showed this thing off a couple years ago, it only had a range of like 55 miles. And I think that they said that, it, well, I have to assume that it's going to be a bit farther than that, maybe 100, 150. I don't know. It depends on how big of a battery you can get into a motorcycle, how long you can stretch that out. But at any rate, um, I have to assume the production models are going to have a bit more range than that. Um, there's a couple thoughts here, right? So the thing looks amazing. It's not the style that I normally go for. I myself like the club style bikes. Um, I have a 2004 FX DXI Super Glide Sport, and that is my baby. Um, I love that thing. Now, I haven't ridden uh, that much in the last couple of years because of family and, and everything like that, but I tend to like that, um, that club style motorcycle. And this is not that. This is it's not really a cafe racer. It's more, more reminds me of like a Ducati. And I love those too. They look amazing. And I think this thing looks really good, but you know, we'll have to hold judgment off until we get uh, one a price to a range. The other thing I wanted to, to note here, and I, I didn't, I didn't write this down in my notes, but I wonder, you know, this, uh, you know, this probably isn't going to have a clutch, you know, it's not going to be, uh, you know, have like, five speeds or six speed, or even if it does, you're not going to have to do anything. It's just going to rev up and rev down. Um, I don't know. Will that take a little bit of fun away from riding? I love the interaction of, you know, the clutch and the brake and, and switching gears and everything like that. Um, it was hard at first when I was first learning, but now it's just kind of second nature. It just, it just, I do it. I don't even know that I'm doing it. Um, so I don't know, I, maybe this thing won't be as fun to ride, but nonetheless, I will say two wheels is always better than four. I will always, always, always attest to that. Okay. Anyway, I digress. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about here, a little bit of entertainment is the Frasier reboot or, uh, well, I guess it's not a reboot cause you know, they're still, uh, you know, going to be, you know, in the same timeline as the original show. Um, look, I won't, 
spend too much time here because maybe you guys don't like this. I loved Frasier uh, when it when it first ran. Now, I didn't watch it during the initial run. I, I saw, you know, reruns here and there. I might have seen a couple of episodes, but I was pretty young. Um, but I've watched, a, I've watched a lot of the reruns and I've watched it on Netflix. I actually just finished watching the entire series again um, about a month ago. We watch it before bed, you know, as we're falling asleep, we'll watch two or three episodes and then, you know, turn the TV off. But I love it. You know, um, if they get back the all of the original cast, this would be amazing. Obviously, without John Mahoney, um, he has since passed and um, huge, huge loss. He has been in so many great, great things. But as as uh, Martin Crane in the Frasier uh, show, he, he was just he was just fantastic. And uh, the show won't be the same without him. But, you know, it's going to be awesome nonetheless. So, um <laughs> I'm not big on reboots because a lot of times they're not as good as the previous series or whatever. Uh, I mean, there are some exceptions, but I mean, take Will and Grace, for instance. I I'm sorry if any of you like Will and Grace, but I want to watch it. I liked the first run, um, but every time I try to watch it, it just gets worse and worse. I know a lot of shows use the laugh track and they did back in the day too, but whenever I watch the new reboot of Will and Grace, it's just so apparent that it's a laugh track and it just it, it's it just seems like it's trying too hard anyway um okay so on to the next topic uh the last thing i wanted to talk about today i had a chance to go to an apple store and play around with the new ipad pros uh, you know i talked a lot about them last week um before having had the in-hand experience and um you know, I just wanted to give a little bit of an update after holding one and, and kind of playing with it a little bit. So at any rate, um, look, I have to say I was a bit underwhelmed, really. Um, not that they're not amazing. They, they really are. But I thought I was going to instantly pick one up and want one. I thought I was, oh God, you know, how do I pay for this? How do I get this? Do I sell my current iPad and I don't know, sell some other stuff, but, uh, I don't know. On some level, I still wanted one probably, but but not like I thought I would. The feel in hand is amazing and they look fantastic. They look great. They look like the next version of computing. Um, uh, okay, so a small correction here. Actually, I do want to point out, I think I had said the Wi-Fi model did not have the antenna lines on the back. Um, and I think that's incorrect. Uh, at least, you know, they seem to all have the lines on the back. Uh, and those lines, look, they look terrible, terrible. They look so bad, but it's a minor aesthetic issue on a gorgeous device, if you ask me. So not a huge deal. Um, still, the biggest thing preventing me from getting this one is the size. I wanted that 7.9 inch iPad mini. And again, there's still a rumor we might get one next year, but nothing in stone. So, uh, you, you know, that is the sweet spot, sweet spot for me personally. Uh, most of my actual work is on a MacBook Pro, so this wouldn't need to function as a full computer for me. Uh, and I have some other thoughts on that that I might touch on next week. I got to flush those thoughts out though. Um, so because of that, I don't need tons of screen real estate. Um, but they do feel amazing. So if you get a chance, go play with one if you're considering it. If you don't have one now or if you're coming from a really, really old uh, um, uh, iPad, I would highly recommend getting one of these. They they look awesome. They feel awesome. 
Okay, well, folks, that is all for today. As always, I can be reached at everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. No dots, dashes, or spaces. Again, that's everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow along on Twitter. Username is at everyenthusiast, and on Instagram at everydayenthusiastpodcast. Uh, as I said before, this, pod- this podcast is available on most major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Overcast, and many others. Please like, rate, and subscribe. And until next time, stay enthusiastic.